Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. The great philosopher Stephen Urkel once said, Does anyone have any cheese? But today we meet a boy who would never ask that question. And then we take a close look at the life and times of Sherry Schreiner. Exactly who is this woman who was gifted by God the ability to defeat the alien reptilian agenda today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. You know, I didn't get to address this yesterday. I totally forgot about it. But on Friday's episode, the Benadryl induced rant about hybrid aliens. That episode is actually probably a half hour longer than what was released because I spent a half hour talking about my charred pants story. And I think that might actually be a, end up being a lost episode for Dead Rabbit Radio. When I was recording the charred pants segment, I thought this is so stupid. It's one of those stories that I've told to people who like knew about the pants and was kind of like in that time period and they think it's hilarious. I haven't even listened back to it because it was so cringy. Even when I was recording it, I was like, I'm committed. I got to finish this story. But once I got done with it, I'm like, it's basically sounded super stupid. It's currently on um, the Rabbitron 3000 and the power supply went off on that. So I don't even have access to it right now. If I'm not able to get the Rabbitron 3000 working again, I can still have the hard drives from it. But I think it's just a power supply issue. It's like an $80 fix. But it was terrible. It was a really, really bad segment. I remember as I was recording it, because one of the things you're taught as an actor is you commit. If you make a choice, you got to commit to it. You can't change course in the middle of it. You can change. Like, I've obviously made adjustments over this run of the show. I've made adjustments throughout the series. But once you kind of commit to a, a certain action in a, in a particular moment you have to commit to it and halfway through when i'm still doing this bit about these charred pants true story by the way but as i was doing this bit i was thinking in my head i'm telling the story but in my head i'm thinking this will cause people to unsubscribe this might be the most unfunny and boring forced humor segment i've ever done and that's a high threshold because i've pushed that line a couple times but i've always thought it was funny and you guys have always responded really well to it. The Mungo, the Mungo Dick segment, I was thinking this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. But it did. The Charred Pants story, oh man. So for now, it's a lost episode. It may be released at a end of the year, my New Year's Eve episode. But uh, 
I don't know. I'll have to listen back to it when I'm in a better mood because it was really, really cringy. In my memory, at least. It, it, you may hear it, but probably not. Let's go ahead and get started with our first story here now. Now, the first story popped up. It's currently an inquest, which is the British version of a trial. I think it's actually not a real trial. It's just people asking questions. So I don't, you know, whatever. This is basically an, an ongoing inquest. They should be done by Friday, but I kind of wanted to cover the story now. I think we got most of the information out that we need. The year is 2017. Well, let's go to England. So let's hop in the Dead Rabbit Dirigible. We're going to putter along across the Big Pond. I think that's the word they call the ocean, like a slang term for the ocean, the Big Pond, I think. Anyways, we're going to cross the this term that may or may not exist. We're going to England. We're going back to the year 2017, so quite recent. Quite recent. We are at, this is a mouthful, the William Perkin Church of England High School. And this is in Greenford, West London. The only reason I know there's a West London, because it's a level on Killing Floor. I didn't even know it existed. But anyway, so apparently there is a place called West London. It's not ever run by zombies, yet. But there's a high school there. And it's lunchtime. And there's a boy... Who goes, oh, mate, I'm so hungry, and I see some food with my peepers. Can I have some of your food, governor? And his friend goes, ah, yes, yes, matey, here, this is all I got. And as a joke, his buddy gives his hungry friend a little piece of cheese. It's described as half the size of a post-it note. Ah, what am I bloody supposed to do with this little thing? And the kid, both of these boys are unnamed because this is a criminal inquest. Like, they don't reveal the names of minors over there, because this all happened when everyone was about 13 years old. I probably should have set it up a little bit better, but anyways. I'm bloody 13. What am I supposed to do? I'm a grown boy. What am I supposed to do with this tiny piece of cheese? And the boy, jokingly, because what's he going to do with it? He flicks it at another student, and it hits the dude in the neck. Who he flicked it at was a young boy, 13 years old as well, known as Karanbir Singh Chima. And the cheese hits his neck, and he goes, Ah! Ah! I'm allergic to cheese! I'm allergic to cheese! And he peels the cheese off of his neck, and begins rubbing his neck, and goes to the doctor. And people are like, what? Like, okay, you're allergic to cheese. Sorry, mate. And they go about their day. And Karen Burr goes to... We'll just call him Chima, because I can pronounce that better. Chima goes to the medical facility at this high school the nurse the nurse's office it's not a medical facility they don't have like tables and big lights and so i'm sure they have a table but it's not like it's not like the umbrella corporation they don't have like an underground medical facility but anyway so he goes there now later on the first boy who flicked the cheese is sitting in class he gets called the principal's office the principal goes what did you do what did you do to him and the kid's like what are you talking about So, Chima had such a bad allergy, and not just to cheese. So, this is what he had, this is what his allergies were. He was was allergic to wheat, gluten, all dairy products, eggs and nuts. He was also asthmatic and suffered from atopic eczema, which is like really bad eczema on your face. I think it's on your face. But anyway, so he had this whole list of things. And the cheese hit him on the neck, and... He, he goes to the, he goes underground to the un- umbrella underground medical facility. And within 10 minutes, he stops breathing 
And within 10 days, he's dead. People are really stunned by this. Because there's been no cases of anyone ever dying from getting a allergen on their skin. So nobody can figure out what's going on. So eventually, though, they're holding this inquest. That happened back in July 2017. Right now, they're holding this inquest. They're bringing in all these experts. They're trying to really figure out what happened here. And the first day of the inquest was the big news story. People are like, the headlines that you're seeing is teen schoolboy died after pupil threw cheese slice at him, inquest told. And here's another one. Expert calls death of dairy allergic boy hit by cheese unprecedented. And it truly was unprecedented. They said there are people who have gotten sick from having food they're allergic to put on their skin, but to actually die isn't very likely. It's impossible, actually. It's never happened before, but it happened here. So at a certain point, the school's thinking maybe he ate something at the same time he got the cheese on him. Like, that's the only thing that could have killed him. Well, what happened, the the newest update, it's not as clickbaity, because the original, you know how the news works. The first article comes out, everyone pays attention to it, and then no one pays attention to the follow-up stuff. What they think happened is this. The cheese hit him on, it's still tragic, the cheese hit him on the neck, and he began scratching because it was irritating his skin, but because he had eczema, his skin was weaker, and he started scratching the eczema, which caused bleeding, which then actually made the cheese on his skin go into his bloodstream. Knock him out within 10 minutes from that. Super bizarre. And the kids are like, listen, we knew he was allergic to stuff, but I thought he was just allergic to bread. The kid who threw it said, listen, man, I was throwing stuff. We throw stuff during lunchtime. I wasn't trying to bully him or anything like that. He goes, I heard that he was allergic to bread. Because one time he sat down next to a kid eating a sandwich and he asked the kid to move. And the kid who gave the hungry boy the cheese said, I knew he was allergic to dairy, but I didn't know that cheese was a dairy product. I just thought it was yogurt and milk. And and, and on that one, people are like, well, we kind of overheard you saying he was allergic to cheese. And he goes, I didn't say that. I didn't know if the kid was allergic to cheese. I just knew he was allergic to dairy stuff. What's interesting as well, though, is that the EpiPen, so he goes down to the 18th level of this medical facility, the EpiPen that they had on file for him was a year out of date. So the school may be partially responsible, but really the the, the experts are coming in and they're saying this was a super unprecedented. People reacted the way they reacted, but we don't really think anything was at fault. Technically, the kid who threw the cheese was at fault, but it wasn't out of maliciousness. He was just playing around just playing around i always think it's weird that people have such common allergies i know they say that peanut allergy the reason why we have a rise in nut allergies is because uh, we live in a more sanitized world everything is alcohol rubbed like you know the the what's that stuff that you put on hand sanitizer i never use it so i don't know what it's called hand sanitizer when you and when you're using this antibacterial cleaner and everything like that when you rich kids, I'm trying to get to, to get to the point, tends to be that kids, upper middle class kids, rich kids, are more likely to have a nut allergy because they live in a cleaner environment. Poor kids tend to have less allergies like that, unless it's just genetic luck of the draw, because they're being exposed to this stuff all their life. I never wash my hands before I eat. Okay, I put an asterisk next to that. I'll wash my hands before I eat if I'm doing something particularly disgusting before I eat. But that's my disgusting, not your disgusting. If I'm preparing somebody else's food, of course, I'm washing my hands. But I will 
putter around the house, do a bunch of stuff, clean up, not just like on my computer, which my computer's quite disgusting, but I'll like be cleaning stuff up. I will work a full shift at a job, walk two miles home, playing around with my phone, picking up rocks, throwing them at squirrels, then like picking up the squirrels and like nursing their wounds and like petting them, and then they bite me, and then they realize I didn't mean to really throw the rock at them, and then we become buddies. Go home, eat a sandwich. Actually, not a sandwich because I'm on keto, but I will go home, eat a hamburger. Don't think twice of it. And you may think, well, you're not touching the hamburger when you eat it. Aha! I am when I'm taking the frozen meat out and throw. I don't even wash. I very I wash my frying pan like once every two days because I figure all of the meat that I'm cooking keeps getting more and more burnt, so it's not like I can't get anything from it. So I'll throw a couple steakums in there, cook it up. That's one meal. And then I'll throw in some more steakums a couple, <laughs> maybe like eight hours later. Eat that. And then the next day, I'll continue eating steakums. And after two days of cooking meat in the same pan, and then, I, <laughs> then I wash it. And I am the, I'm super healthy. I never get sick. I get sick, but I don't get sick enough that it like affects me. Like I'll be like, oh, my stomach hurts. Oh. But I go about my day. The moral of the story is don't be clean. Don't be clean. Actually, the moral of the story is don't throw cheese at people. But the moral of the overall lesson, the life lesson, is the less clean you are, the stronger you are. I don't think Hercules got his hair cut, and that's what made him lose his strength. I think they finally made him wash his hair. And it's an allegory for being a dirty person. Okay, now let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Now, this story is a companion piece to what we talked about yesterday. And I know people don't listen to every episode, so I'm going to go over it real quickly. There was a murder in the state of Pennsylvania. There was a couple named Barbara and Steve, and they were both followers of this online personality host, radio host, YouTube YouTuber named Sherry Schreiner, who believes that the reptilian alien demonic overlords are being sent here by Lucifer to destroy our planet, and she has special powers, and she can teach you how to fight these interlopers, these alien demonic reptilian creatures. I used the term blew his brains out a couple times on yesterday's episode, and I was like, that's pretty insensitive. Like... One of one of his family members may listen to this episode, and that was pretty insensitive. So, but anyway, she shot him. Now, <laughs> when editing that, I was like just kind of shaking my head. So, Sherry basically, in her mind, was right. Barbara was a soul scalped reptilian who killed who killed one of Sherry's followers. Like Sherry says, I tried warning him. Tried warning him. Sherry also says she remote viewed the killing. And she told us this story where Barbara was watching Resident Evil, which is based on a true story, and so on and so forth. You can go more detail with yesterday's episode, but that's kind of the overview of where we're coming from. An alien, reptilian, demonic army is waging war against humans. Sherry Schreiner is a general for the sight of good. And she pointed out someone was really a reptilian in disguise, and that person ended up killing a man in cold blood. So you have to ask, who is Sherry Schreiner? Coincidence? Like, did she just happen to pick out the one wacko that she could tell out of all these people? She could go, that person's a wacko. That person's probably going to murder someone. 
and she was right? Like, just lucky guess right? Or does she know something we don't? Let's take a look at Sherry Schreiner. Now, Sherry Schreiner as a whole. And, and again, I want to say this is all due to an email I got from Gary. There'll be, a, again, we got two more Sherry Schreiner episodes coming up. So I want to say thanks, Gary, for letting me know about this bizarre string of events. So Sherry Schreiner, let's describe her in her own words. This is how her website opens up. Servant, prophet, ambassador, daughter, and messenger of the Most High God. Just as my ancient grandfather King David stood against the giants in his day with no fear, so will I stand against the giants in these last days with no fear. The Lord is my strength. So she believes, so basically God tells her stuff, which is, you know, you could say that's crazy or it's not. But God tells her stuff, and one of the things he said was that she is the granddaughter of King David. So let's look at her her arsenal. She has a radio show. She has at least a dozen websites. She has a YouTube channel. I think even more than one YouTube channel. She has articles that she writes. She, I mean, hundreds of videos on all sorts of craziness. Pole shifts. Obama's a reptile. Hillary's a reptile. Trump. It's weird. It seems like most of her stuff kind of fell off during the last year of Obama. She has Trump mentions every once in a while, but most of it's really focused on Hillary and Al Gore. When was he ever a threat? Al Gore and Obama and all these reptile stuffs and pull switches and all this like old school conspiracy stuff. Nobody talks about the pull switch anymore. That's still like 2012. But anyways, her websites are littered with it. And you're thinking, okay, great, Jason. You found a weirdo website. It's hilarious because it's all like GIFs. It's all like these. There's just a picture of Al Gore and then it shifts to a picture of a fat alien. And I was like, I miss this internet. I miss this style of internet. But anyways, you're thinking, great, you just found some wackadoo online. She has a Patreon. And she has eight patrons. Which you think, that's nothing. That's probably her and like her mom and her dad and brother and stuff like that. And I agree. When I saw that, I was like, eight patrons, like, she's definitely, like, small time. Well, if only eight people are paying her, we don't know how much, she has that hidden, but you can assume anywhere from $8 to $800 a month. So, she did a GoFundMe and raised $154,000. So, she has a sizable presence. Looking at those donations, they're mostly small donations. $10 here, $50 here, maybe $100 here. $154,000. So she's not just some weirdo with a laptop. That's me. <laughs> That's me. That's when you have to sit and think that this is definitely something that's underground and viable. The message that she's saying is resonating with people. So why? Now, there's two ways to dissect that, obviously. But first, let's look at why her. When I was reading about this, I thought this is why this deserves its own segment. Because we finally kind of get to look into the mind, in their own words, of somebody who thinks like this. Completely unfettered. We actually get to see, and we can kind of look at a pattern. We're going to do a little psychoanalysis here. But before I say that, the reason why Meg Ryan is so weird looking now is because of reptiles taken over her body 
So, I mean, again, she has a picture of Meg Ryan when she was, like, 25. And then she has a picture of Meg Ryan after years of plastic surgery. And she's like, look, proof. There's a reptile. I mean, it's, like, just nonsense. Nonsense stuff. Sherry Schreiner in her own words. So, paraphrased, but the same thing. Sherry Schreiner has her About Me segment. And she says, when she was a little kid, she would see monsters and demons at the foot of her bed. Terrified her. It would terrify anyone, especially a child. She couldn't figure it out why these monsters were all around her in the dark. She started seeing a taller one at the foot of her bed at night. This one seemed darker and more powerful. And she came to learn that this tall, dark figure at the end of her bed was one of Satan's generals. Sherry Schreiner was such a threat to the future of Lucifer's plans that he sent one of his top dogs to spiritually break down this little girl. And that was when she realized that she was going to have a great role to play in the upcoming war between good and evil. Here's a quote. From the time I was born, Lucifer knew I had a prophetic... I think that's how you pronounce that. Prophet, a prophecy thing. Calling on my life. And that as an adult, I would grow up to become one of his arch enemies. I would learn as an adult how to expose, attack, and tear down his strongholds. That he would create to control and destroy mankind. To prevent this from happening... He had assigned one of his top-ranking generals to kill me. Lucifer is on a mission to control the world as the Antichrist. I am on a mission to make it as miserable as possible for him. I despise him. Now, I think that kind of goes with that. I don't think most people are fans of Lucifer. Some Luciferians, but most people despise him. Anyways, thanks for those strong words there, Sherry. So... She's growing up, she has this. Now, at the age of 12, she says, I read the whole Bible. I read the whole Bible. And I just kept reading it over and over and over again. I was fascinated by the end times. More than anything, more than any of the Bible stories. It was a book of Revelation that really, like, got my gears going. That's my words, not hers. But here are her words. From the first time I had heard about the second coming of Jesus Christ, I was hooked. That is all I cared to hear about. That is all I wanted to hear about. Nothing else about religion interested me as much. I have seen enough and experienced enough of it daily to know religion itself is hypocritical. So she goes into this thing where she's not a fan of organized religion. She's not a fan of the church. But she's obsessed with the Bible. Now that is... I've met a lot of people like that. But... When you devote your whole life to leading this God's army, you might want to be a little more open to the fact that these more learned individuals in these things may know more that you can gain from. But she kind of believes that all a man's church is corrupted by the alien reptilian demons and stuff like that. So there's a thing, too, where the book of Revelation is very evocative. The Bible itself is quite boring, but the book of Revelation is basically a science fiction ending. It would be if Anne of Green Gables ended with an alien invasion. Like, the last chapter was just aliens. But the thing is, is that to understand the book of Revelation, you have to understand the, the rest of the Bible. 
people, there are people who just study the book of Revelation. I also used to be obsessed with the book of Revelation. So I'm kind of speaking from this point of view. And my father, who was a minister, said, yeah, it's interesting and all that, but the illusions and the imagery and things like that in the book of Revelation, really, you have to know the rest of the Bible for it to fall into place. You can read it as an apocalyptic text, as a sci-fi novel, but it works better as a whole. That's why it is a chapter in a Bible. It's a book of the Bible rather than its own book. And also, there's debate who wrote it and whether or not it should even be in the Bible. But that's another topic. But you just can't keep reading the book of Revelation over and over again and have a revelation of your own. You have to study the Bible and then you go, oh, this is what this part means because this is mentioned in Ezekiel or whatever. But let's get on to the interesting stuff. Okay, so wackadoo nonsense. This woman... She's a young girl. She sees a bunch of monsters and demons and stuff at her house. She can't figure it out. She begins reading the Bible. She begins becoming obsessed with the book of Revelation. She begins completely disregarding all other worldly religious stuff. She doesn't want to focus on it. She doesn't believe in the church. She doesn't believe in organized religion. She believes that the reason why she's so connected to the book of Revelation is because she's basically a part of it. That these demons have been sent to stop her because she is part of the prophecy of a book written thousands of years ago that she's obsessed with. It's the same thing as if someone who reads Harry Potter and then writes themselves into Harry Potter fan fiction. Except she's doing this and thinks it's real and is dedicated her life to making this fan fiction true. But, and this is what I thought was fascinating. This is what I thought was so fascinating. Sherry Shriner's a young girl being tormented by ghosts and demons. Sherry Schreiner discovers the book Revelation, the Bible. She's reading it about age 12. She said she was always praying to God, but she really gets into the Bible when she was 12. She gets into the book Revelation. She goes to college. She goes to college. She goes to college and she says, I don't know if the demons left me alone when I went to college or if I was just too busy to notice them. So she says she just they were either there or she didn't notice them. She said that she would work so hard she would go home and just kind of pass out. She didn't have time to think about this war. She always wanted to be a journalist. That's what her career path was going to be. She ends up getting a job at the campus radio station. That ends up turning to making her the director of the campus radio station. She gets a job at a real radio station and at the same time interns at a rival radio station under a fake name. She wants as much experience as possible. She ends up transferring colleges, becoming the director of their radio station as well. Really needs to get, like, just loves it. She gets her degree in journalism, in criminal science, and poli-sci. She goes to Washington, D.C. Her goal is to work for CNN. She wants to be a political correspondent. And she goes there, and she talks to the Washington Bureau, and they say, you don't have enough experience to work with us. You have to go here. And then she'd go somewhere else, and they'd be like, well, I think you'd be better suited for the Washington Bureau. And she's going in these circles, and eventually she gets frustrated. She quits. She moves back to Ohio, where she's from. She gets married. And while she's an unemployed housewife, lo and behold, the demons show back up. And it was from then that she dedicated her life to destroying the army. This is, I read that, and I was like, I know exactly what this is. Growing up, she was powerless and had no direction. 
And her mind created this mythology where she was important to the world. But when she went to college, she was really important. People counted on her for decisions. She was doing things that were affecting people. Every single day, she was moving towards a goal. She knew what she wanted to be. She knew what she had to do to get it. And she fought her way up that ladder and got it. But when she got to a point where she got stymied, where she got to a point where she saw her career and it was just out of reach and she couldn't reach it and she gave up and once again became basically a little girl with no direction or importance. She was just an unemployed housewife in the middle of Ohio. All of her dreams were over. Everything she imagined for herself throughout college were gone. In the silence of normalcy, the mythology began again. It's been like this now for decades. She couldn't handle being normal. So she's created this entire mythology. Fascinating insight on someone like this. Being normal is hard. Being unnoticed and visible outside of your social circle is very painful for a lot of people. Some people are totally fine with it. I think most people are totally fine with it, but there's a good chunk of people that they need something more. They need direction. They need a myth about them. Most people, though, go, I really wish I was a lead guitarist for a band, but I, you know, I'm 44, I have three kids. Just a dream. Maybe, maybe they'll pick up a guitar and play with their buddies on the weekend. Maybe they'll just play in the garage by themselves. They'll kind of hold on to that. And that's totally fine. That's kind of just like a hobby thing. And you think, I wonder what could have been if I'd kept going with it. That's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody who, by their own admission, was King David's granddaughter, who was a major player in the end of the world. But once she got busy, all of that stuff disappeared. Her entire length of college, up until the point where she moves back to Ohio, she is not plagued by demons. Which really shows that they don't plague her at all. Because if they really wanted to take her out, they would take her out when she was most stressed. Working multiple jobs and trying to get school done and during finals, that's when the archdemon of Lucifer, Balbareth, would show up in your dorm room and start knocking stuff over, deleting files from your computer, pooping on your cat. That's if, if this any of this was real, that's when it would attack you when you were the most stressed. Not when you're sitting silently at home and the only thing to keep you company is the baby monitor so you can hear your baby softly snore in the other room. But in that moment where she realizes I am normal again and I don't know what's coming next in my life, she creates this myth. And the, I don't know if it's sad, but I don't know if it's weird. I don't, it's, other people are falling for this myth as well. Other people just like her who have no direction. Someone who's working towards something or someone who is very content with their life, who's like, I have everything that I want 
and the stuff I don't have, I don't need. They don't fall for this stuff. They say generally people who fall for cults are too smart to fall for cults, and that's true because you can have someone who's very smart but empty. People who have fulfilling lives, which is very, trust me, is very hard to tell. You'll meet people and they seem like they have it all. And then you talk to them for a while and you realize that they're miss, there's like a chunk missing from them. But if someone sells you the line that, listen, it's you and me, there's a war coming and they don't see it. No one sees it, but I see it and I know you see it. And together we can change history. Are you with me? That message resonates with people who have a hole inside of them. It's very, very easy to exploit. Very easy to exploit. I remember long before I did the podcast, I was talking to Lana and I said, you know what, I I was thinking I might become a cult leader. And she goes, please don't. Please don't. Because it's super, once you realize how people tick, it's super easy to manipulate them. And I'm really good at that. She's like, please don't. Because she could almost, in a flash, see the disaster that would unfold. Sherry Schreiner is not an outlier either. She's just one of thousands, really millions of people out there who manipulate others. She does it in a weirdo, alien way, and we're going to talk about some of her more bizarre beliefs tomorrow. That littering can actually defeat aliens. (laughs) That enough litter made of a special component can destroy UFOs. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But we live in a world where almost everyone has a hole inside of them. That's not a sexual joke. But what's interesting about this little biography of Sherry Schreiner is that it makes you realize, made me realize at least, that even the leaders of these kooky groups are also empty, are also missing something. They need that mythology to be true as much as they need you to believe that mythology to be true. The only difference between Sherry Schreiner and anyone who follows her cult is she started the website first. She was the first one to put these beliefs down. But mentally, spiritually, she's just the same as every other member of one of these groups. And it's a warning to all of us to make sure that we don't let ourselves get to that point where we become so empty and so unfulfilled with our lives that we'll look for anything to give us meaning. TedRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash TedRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. 
Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.